0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up...
1: H.R. 1 is, in my opinion, the sword for us to affirmatively expand voting rights.
0: That was Democratic Congressman Alan Allred summing up H.R. 1, the what I call the Stick It to the People Act, which would usurp the historical constitutional authority of state legislatures in determining how states hold elections. Bottom line, it is an unprecedented power grab by the Democratic Party that would turn the U.S. into a one-party state, making it ripe for totalitarian rule, in my opinion. It is uh, for that reason that nearly half of the state's attorneys general in the country have spoken out in opposition to the bill. The Attorney General of Indiana has been leading in this effort. Attorney General Todd Rakita is here with more in just a moment. We'll also be joined by Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell on the prospects of HR 1 in the Senate. Why is it dangerous, and what means might Democrats use to pass the left's political jackpot? Senator McConnell is here later. And one of the many problematic aspects of the federal power grab, HR 1, is mandated universal mail in balloting, which could be feedstock for voter fraud. Now, keep in mind that. Mail-in balloting most often includes dropping ballots off in drop boxes as well, which presents challenges in establishing the chain of custody of those ballots. In fact, a report from the Star News in Georgia last week says election officials have failed to produce chain of custody documents on over 400,000 votes in Georgia from the November election. Remember, Biden's margin of victory in Georgia was less than 12,000 votes. We'll talk with Michael Patrick Leahy, CEO, editor-in-chief of the Star News Digital Media, later here on Washington Watch. And finally, earlier this afternoon, the House approved by a vote of 220 to 211 the $1.9 trillion so-called COVID relief bill.
2: This is not COVID relief. It's a $2 trillion blue state boondoggle and a Trojan horse for their reckless partisan policies.
0: That was Texas Congressman Jody Arrington, and he joins us live here on Washington Watch later. Stick around for that interview. Uh, The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech site, Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. If you're not there, you can be there. Go to Gab.com. And also... You need to text us so that you can be in connection with us because we never can rely on the social media platform so if you want to stay connected and know what's going on text the word stand to six seven seven four two that way we can communicate with you again text the word stand to six seven seven four two And let me remind you tonight is wednesday night pray vote stand we'll be joined by former secretary of state of the state of ohio ken blackwell and georgia congressman and Pastor Jody Heiss. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can tune in at prayvotestand.org. All right, the Democrats' election takeover bill, what they call for the people bill, well, it doesn't seem the people are too interested in it. A letter signed by 20 state attorneys general was sent to House and Senate leaders denouncing H.R. 1 as a usurpation of the historical constitutional authority of state legislatures in setting the rules for elections. But the left... Listen, the left is clearly energized over this bill. For them, this is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow.
3: We cannot allow ourselves to be seduced by the big lie or worse, seduced by this notion that because this insurrection in January didn't work, that we're out of the woods. We're not out of the woods until we create a we- foundation for democracy. And that is H.R. 1.
0: That was Stacey Abrams talking about setting a foundation for democracy, she was on MSNBC's Joy Read making those comments. Well, joining me now to talk about all of this is the Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita, who spearheaded this letter of uh, this the country's uh, almost uh, almost half of the country's attorneys general. Uh, general, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Tony, good to be with you uh, for democracy, hardly <laughs> for well, socialism, it- probably.
0: Exactly, and and I've never seen them so enthused and energized, which tells me there's a lot at stake here.
1: Yeah, right. Right. This this is foundational in the sense that once they get a hold of the election process, you know, the power of the people under our constitution goes right out the window, and that's what they want. You know, uh, when you talk about big lies, I mean, when they, when you when you look at people and and you tell them, hey, this is for democracy, this is for you. When it's coming out of a politician's mouth, right, you can pretty much gauge that it's the opposite of what they're saying, especially when it's a far-left politician. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing.
0: Especially in Washington. I mean, like the name of this bill, for the people bill. I mean, look, this is not for the people. This is for the politicians. It's for it's stick it to the people. Bill is what this does. This will disenfranchise <laughs> so many people. And, and you know, I, I know as the attorney general, one of the things that you do along with uh, your elections officers, you want to make sure that things are done according to the rules, that people do not violate the law. This, as I'm sure uh, you have raised this issue, this opens the door for voter fraud and for other means of depriving people of their vote.
1: Yeah. And and so let's get into the specifics if we could, because, you know, first of all, I'm thankful for the other attorneys general who joined in this effort. We're all leading, frankly, on this because we all see what it's really doing. The Constitution is very clear. and It was the basis for our lawsuit last fall when Indiana joined Texas and and, and several other states in suing Stacey Abrams, Georgia, and, and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. It was because they were using the Wuhan virus excuse to change election laws, and particularly the legislatures weren't. Unelected liberal judges were. Um, election Unelected election officials were. And they were changing the laws in those states to where they were allowing felonious conduct, right? things that would have been felonies, Two months earlier, not felonies in Indiana, although they would have been, but felonies in their own states. Two months before, were not practices were now being allowed. So, what and what HR one does is codify all those terrible ideas, all those bad practices, all those things that that caused millions of Americans to question the validity of the election results. Somewhere we never want to be again. Uh, they want to make that the law of the land. So it starts with making illegal photo id at polling places. So when I was Indiana Secretary of State, we we um implemented the nation's first photo id law and and got I got sued four times for it. Uh but luckily we stuck to our guns. We were called every name in the book and and it was probably the beginning of the cancel culture as I would see it now. And but we but we stuck with it when all the way to the United States, the United States Supreme Court and with a, even a more liberal court than we have today, Tony. Uh, we won and not even five to four. It was a six to three decision uh, because we did it right. We narrowly tailored it. And now 32 states enjoy uh, that uh, photo ID protection because we kind of paved the way. So H.R. one in one fell swoop would make all that illegal. Right. You as a state, you couldn't you couldn't ask a voter for photo ID. Uh, now, compare that to like the the country of Mexico where I just saw a a dual national in Indiana showed me her uh, voter card for Mexico. Okay. Not, not, not her driver's license or anything else, but they issue a, a specific voter card. It has her picture. Of course, you flip it over. It has her fingerprints that are then compared to her fingerprints that she would put on the poll book when she would vote, in a Mexican election, right? So this is a borderline third world country that is doing 100% more <laughs> than we are currently in America and it would be completely outlawed in America under H.R. 1. So you of so le- accountab- I'm sorry, le- sorry. Let
0: me ask you, because, I mean, the basis of this is you, you mentioned the Constitution. That's why uh, you and the other attorneys, generals have taken this action. Why did the founders want the states to be the entity that set the guidelines for elections?
1: Great question. It's so we wouldn't end up in an autocratic situation like they had seen other countries do at the time and that we have seen since you want to in order to preserve the most individual liberty and the most control over government by the people you have to, in all things, decentralize as much power as possible. And so this is a great example of that. In the constitution it's specifically we're that only states and particularly only state legislatures can set election laws and procedures. And the reason it's state legislators is because that's the entity that's closest to the people, right? Uh the 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 people the people have the most accountability over what, you know, when you change how representatives out every 2 years, you know, that's an accountability measure. Um so it's not left to unelected people. It's not left to unelected judges. It's not left to even election officials. Even when I was Secretary of State of Indiana, and that was that's a statewide elected position, I was never allowed if I wanted to change the the length of the shoot to a polling place uh, of a polling place. I had to go get a state law passed, and it was frustrating at the time because you know when you're you're know, trying to do the right thing, trying to do good things, trying to make things fair and accountable. Um, you know, you, you prefer just to be able to do it, but there was a reason that I was not able to do it, and only the legislature was, and we respected that, of course. But that's the reason.
0: This turns that on its head, HR1.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, right. So it takes the decentralization aspect uh, that the founders intended and centralizes it. It goes the opposite way. And so that's why it's so important to stop. And that's why I'm very interested that you're having Mitch McConnell on later. Because, you know, I, to hear what he wants, he's going to say, because usually right, HR 1 already passed the House. And so now it would need 60 votes in the Senate to become law. And we have to hold these 10 Republicans, you know, which sometimes is hard enough. It should not be that hard a lift to stop HR 1. But could, and this is an open question to Mitch, you know, could the Democrats use a reconciliation measure to do it? And they have, in my count, I was vice chairman of the House Budget Committee at one point, so uh, probably one of the few folks around that really understand. And I don't, I don't, wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I happen to understand the reconciliation process a little bit, and would say, hey, you know, they have two more reconciliation bullets between now and the and the 2022 election. Would they use it? Could they use it on HR 1? And it's not really a fiscal measure, but well, could they really turn things on its head and, and try to use it?
0: they are talking about doing portions of this possibly declaring using the uh, interstate commerce clause oh my as a, as a basis for making it a fiscal issue
1: yeah right see uh you know and uh, you know i'm not tuned into all the washington stuff so you, you you are much more than me but yeah that's a real worry and then so you'd have one part of the constitution combating another and the supreme court would be asked to decide Uh, If this ever became law, we and by the way, look, this becomes law. And I promise you and your listeners, the sun won't set in Indiana before I sue on behalf of the people of Indiana. Well, and that Um, was in your
0: letter warning the uh, lawmakers that the state attorney generals are not going to sit to the side and watch this happen.
1: Right. So, you know, but then we then we're relying on we're relying on uh, five of nine people.
0: But I it's better than skinners. it was. The court is better than yeah. it was, and, uh, and we have the Trump administration to thank for that. Uh, General Rikita, we're, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to thank you for leading the charge on that because I think this is, there's a lot of big issues, but this is one of the biggest because this will fundamentally change the political landscape of America if it goes through. Thank you, Tony. All right. Thanks so much for being with us. All right, folks. Uh, when we come back. We're going to talk to Michael Patrick Leahy, CEO and editor in chief of the Star News Digital Media, about a report that says that two thirds, two thirds of the mail in ballots in Georgia are lacking documentation on the chain of custody of those ballots. Why is that important? Well, we're going to talk about it next. Stay tuned. Also still to come, the majority, the Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, will be joining us a little bit later to talk about HR 1 why it's dangerous, and what the Democrats might do to pass it. More to come on this edition of Washington Watch. Don't go away.
3: Hey, Matt.
4: Hey, Hannah.
3: What's going on? Why so gloomy?
4: Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it.
3: Oh, yeah? Yeah. What did you have planned that you didn't get to do?
4: Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it.
3: Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard. But one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out.
4: When did they start? I I would be so far behind...
3: Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in anytime. There's a daily reading, just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading.
4: Nice. Where can I find this? Go
3: to frc.org/bible and you can get started.
4: Where's that again?
3: frc.org/bible.
4: Got it. Checking it out now.
5: In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash
0: Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand. We'll be joined by the former Secretary of State of Ohio, Ken Blackwell. Also, Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss will be joining us as we uh, take uh, even uh, more of a a look at this H.R. 1 and what you need to do and how you need to be praying about that. Again, that's tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand.org. All right, as we know, in the 2020 Presidential election, every vote mattered. States like Georgia had a margin of victory less than 12,000 votes. In three months later, we are, uh, well, actually, four months later, there are still two thirds of the votes that were mail in ballot votes. Now, those include those that were mailed in by the U.S. Postal Service, those dropped off in drop boxes. Two-thirds of those, an estimated 400,000-plus, have no chain of custody documentation. What does that mean? Well, joining us now to talk about this, Michael Patrick Leahy, CEO and editor-in-chief of the Star News Digital Media. Uh, Michael, welcome to Washington Watch.
6: Tony, it is so great to be with you, Uh, especially great to talk with a former state legislator who understands the importance of state sovereignty.
0: Uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, In fact, uh, I had firsthand experience in uh, 1996 of uh, voter fraud. And as a result of that in our state, we went back and we changed our election laws. And guess what? We've not had uh, voter fraud to speak of in Louisiana since then. So I know this is an important issue. And the only way it's to be solved is at the state level, not in Washington, D.C.
6: Yeah, absolutely right. You know, Florida was terrible in 2000. They fixed it. Florida was a model in 2020. Georgia, however, was not a model for a number of reasons. First, let's talk about the unlawful election procedures that took place in Georgia. It took place in several other states as well. Uh, but in Georgia, um, the state election board passed a number of emergency rules. And one of those rules established drop boxes as a place that you could deposit a vote by mail absentee ballots. Now the law is very clear on this election procedures in the state, as you know, are established by not the state board of elections, but by the state legislatures. Right. Nonetheless, because of the emergency for COVID, they went ahead with this really unlawful process of setting up uh, drop boxes. But when they did it, they authorized a, um, uh, uh, this election code rule in July of 2020. The state election board has one key member, the st- Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. So he signed off on this. But when they did it, they actually had a, a, a chain of custody control element in it, which was called a ballot transfer form. There were about 300 drop boxes all across the state of Georgia. Established because of this selection code rule. Many of them, by the way, were paid for in a very controversial way, not by authorized, appropriated revenues or funds from the state legislature, but were given to county legislatures, often surreptitiously under the radar, by the Center for Technology and Civic Life, which was funded, the nonprofit, funded $350 million by Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, so it can.
0: Yeah, we've Uh, talked about that. We've talked about that uh, quite uh, extensively on the program, 2,500 grants issued by this uh, entity. But let me ask you about those 300 boxes. Who determined where they went?
6: Well, that's a very good question. The people that received the money uh, from the Center for Technology and Civic Life, the election directors in these counties would determine in which counties they would put them. So in Fulton County, for instance, where the very controversial election director, Richard Barron, secured a $6 million grant from the Center for Technology and Civic Life to install these drop boxes and set up uh, uh, various vote-by-mail promotion uh, activities. Um, That was approved by the Fulton County Commission in September of 2020. They never knew who was funding the money. (laughs) He didn't tell them. They just said, congratulations on getting the money. So the way this was supposed to work, according to the election code rule, is every county where there was a dropbox was supposed to, uh, from 40 days before the election, they'd have a two-person team that would pick up the ballots in the dropbox. They were supposed to sign a form and date it and time it and and then deliver it, quote, immediately to the registrar for counting. Well, Um, we went to the Secretary of State right after the election and said, how many of these forms have you received? And Raffensperger said, well, that's not my job. You'll have to talk directly to the counties for that information. Now, there were 5 million votes cast in Georgia. The margin of victory, slightly less than 12,000. Of those, 1.3 million were uh, absentee vote by mail. Now, we know based upon a poll that John McLaughlin conducted there, That of those 1.3 million absentee ballots, 700,000 were delivered by regular mail. 600,000 were put in the drop boxes. So in theory, we went to there should be a ballot transfer form documenting all of these transfers. Should be 600,000. We went to and we provide we asked open record requests to all 159 of Georgia's counties. Only 56 gave us. Information back, so there's a whole bunch of scofflaw counties there, including Fulton County and some of the really big ones. We can only document more than four months after the November 3rd election a chain of custody for 195,000 of the 600,000 absentee vote by mail ballots deposited in drop boxes and then delivered by. Unknown parties in many cases uh, to register Usher county. Now,
0: Michael, we're we're, we're up against the break, but very quickly. I mean, I, I don't want to sound simplistic, but without the accountability, that's open to fraud, is it not?
6: Entirely open to fraud. Did somebody pick up? If did somebody pick one of these up and not deliver it? Uh, where did they go? We Cobb County responded to us. We found that eighty percent of their ballots were not delivered immediately that is within one hour what were they doing with them
0: right we we, we we don't know that there was fraud but we don't know that there wasn't because the rules weren't followed and this is what hr1 wants to do across the country michael exactly out of time right, Tony. thanks so much for joining us appreciate your article i'll uh, post it on my website all right folks don't go away we're coming back with more washington watch jody errington congressman of texas joins us next don't go away
7: The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash china. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today.
3: Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep. You can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store.
7: Okay, that's Stand Firm.
3: Yep, Stand Firm.
7: How do you know all this?
3: Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story.
7: Huh?
2: This is not COVID relief. It's a $2 trillion blue state boondoggle and a Trojan horse for their reckless partisan policies.
0: That was Congressman Jody Arrington on the House floor earlier today as the House once again passed the $1.9 trillion. Well, I don't even want to use their terms. They call it a relief package. It is a bailout, as he said, a boondoggle. What else did he say? Well, he joins us now to talk about it. Congressman, welcome back to the program.
2: Tony, great to be with you as always.
0: Um, You were pulling punches. Uh, When you look at how this breaks down, less than nine percent of this one point nine trillion dollars actually goes to getting vaccines or shots into people's arms for the coronavirus. Three hundred and fifty million dollars going to blue states. Uh, to bail them out and reward them su- for supporting uh, the Democratic Party. I mean, there's there's nothing good about this legislation.
2: No. And listen, five times in the past year for four trillion dollars worth, Republicans and Democrats worked together to meet the needs to get families on their feet, move the country forward in recovery. Right. So this is what the this is what we did under President Trump and Republican leadership. And now they've completely abandoned that. They're just there's a trillion dollars still unspent and they're just ramming and jamming a partisan bill that the, the, the shame of it is they're wrapping the flag of covid relief. But it, it's anything but it, it bailouts for schools that didn't open bailouts for union pensions with no reforms, no fixes. And, and, and you, you listed others. The parade of horribles is too long. But. It's it really is shameful. I don't use that word uh, often, but it it is because it's false advertising and they're playing and preying on the emotions of the American people who are very generous and compassionate.
0: Right. And I would also say that they're giving American people some hush money uh, by putting the the checks in there And, and, and through that allowed to do all this other stuff. For instance, one of the things that I know bothers you, because it bothers almost every member of the Republican caucus, and that is the Hyde language is gone. For the first time in 44 years, we are now funding abortion with taxpayer money.
2: I mean, it is immoral to not have the guardrails, and it's un-American to not have those safeguards for preventing taxpayer dollars to go to abortion because the vast majority of American people uh, uh, don't want that to happen. And that's why we have the Hyde Amendment in every major piece of legislation. So, yes, that's that's another abomination in there that there there are no guardrails to preventing taxpayer monies to go to illegal immigrants. Um, Again, the, the list is long. We're paying people to stay on unemployment rather than go to work. Um, we, we offered up simple amendments, Tony, uh, I'm on ways and means committee It had to go through markup. And we said, look, if you haven't had economic harm from COVID, let's just all agree you shouldn't get cash assistance from the taxpayers dismissed out of hand. How about the amendment that said you can't pay people more to be on unemployment, uh, than they did that they made at their previous job or they won't go back to work. We can't recover dismissed out of hand. I mean, to, yeah. 300 amendments all rejected.
0: Yeah. Well, it's on its way to the president. Uh, They own it now. uh, And we'll see uh, what uh, the effects of this are. Let's uh, let's transition, uh, Congressman Arrington, to the southern border. You represent portions of Texas. This is an issue for Texas, Arizona, uh, California. What's going on on the border?
2: Well, President Biden, through his actions, you know, policies have consequences. And he's completely repealed funding for the border wall. He's uh, repealed prohibitions on catch and release, uh, accountability for sanctuary cities. I mean, completely unraveled the restrictions that dropped border crossings, illegal border crossings, 75 percent under the Trump administration. Now uh, the border is completely on fire. They won't use the word crisis, and I promise you, at on so many levels, public health. I mean, there are mandates and restrictions that the Biden administration puts on the American people, but it's free for all for illegals crossing the border. And, uh, look, it's a humanitarian issue, too. We care about these families. They are preyed upon. Uh, The the drug cartels, uh, they're lining their pockets uh, and using these people and abusing them. And we're the the Biden administration's aiding and abetting that with these with these reckless uh, immigration policies.
0: Uh, Congressman Arrington, let me ask you this question, because shortly after the Biden administration came in, if you're an American citizen traveling back into the country, you have to have a covid-19 test even to get into the country. Um, are those coming across the border illegally being required to be tested for the covid?
2: No, no, they're not. In fact, you there's a hue and cry from Democrats, including Henry Cuellar uh, from Laredo, Texas, on the border and Democrat Democrats leaders, local elected officials like the mayor of McAllen and the Rio Grande area, they're having to do that themselves. We're spending almost a billion dollars in Texas uh, to, to try to test these folks if we can, if we can uh, get them uh, in an organized way to comply. They're, they, it's just all advisory because they know that there will be no accountability. In fact, they will be rewarded because the Biden immigration plan that was just introduced it has uh, a pathway to citizenship, so you can break the laws, you can cut in line, and you'll get rewarded.
0: Amazing! What 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 a difference an election makes, Congressman Jody Arrington. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today.
2: It's an honor. God bless, Tony.
0: All right, thank you, Congressman Jody Arrington. Look, I'm, I'm well. I'm going to talk about it later. Coming up next. We're going to be joined by the Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, to talk more about H.R. 1, the Stick It to the People Act, and this power grab by Democrats. Will it succeed, and what might they do to try to get it through? We're going to talk with Mitch McConnell next. Don't go away. Get a trusted
4: perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com.
8: Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org/hide.
9: What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservatives and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com.
0: You're listening to Washington Watch, I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Glad to have you with us the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, we started off the program talking about the Stick It to the People Act. That's HR1. That's the left's effort to usurp the historic role of the states in setting guidelines for elections and take the nation, I believe, into uncharted constitutional territory, which, by the way, never ends well. Joining me now to talk about the dangers of this bill is u s. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky uh, Leader, welcome back to the program.
10: Hey Tony, glad to be with you.
0: Let's talk first about the dangers of this pro- of this uh, bill, HR one and uh, and why you're you're dead set to stop it.
10: This Tony is the worst uh, bill I've observed in my time in the Senate. In the sense that it directly targets uh, speech and associations and also seeks to construct a system nationwide that benefits the left in every election. They haven't held back at all. This is dramatic federalization of the way we do elections. It starts by taking the Federal Election Commission, which has been dead even, 3-3 for half a century, and turning it into a majoritarian body, 3-2 which means if you have a Democratic administration, uh, they'll be able to go after Republicans with impunity uh, for any real or even imaginary violations. It also, uh, particularly with regard to organizations that are 501c4s, which is probably what, uh, what you are, um, they repeal protections that block our, the, the IRS from targeting nonprofits uh, for, for political purposes. So they're going to. They're go having at, this
0: conversation right now, they would. They don't yeah. want us to have this conversation.
10: You got it. And then um, let's look at how they're trying to jerry-rig the elections. Right now, the way we conduct elections are determined consistent with the founding fathers and the Constitution at the state level. This federalizes virtually every aspect of how we conduct elections in this country. For example, it requires no-excuse absentee ballots, something that some states uh, did this year because of the pandemic, but was never thought of as a permanent uh, solution. A few states do it, but most don't. Uh, It undermines photo ID at the polls any effort to verify that the person voting is who they say they are. It requires what we call ballot harvesting, that is, the ability to go around and collect a whole bunch of ballots and turn them in for somebody else, fraught with uh, the potential for fraud. California, for example, allows that now. Uh, No other states uh, do. Um, It also mandates. That anyone can register, just show up at the polls on election day and register. <laughs> not not even a, a requirement that you prove uh, who, who you are. Uh, it, how does it affect the House of Representatives? Uh, state legislative authority over the redistricting is removed nationwide to so-called independent commissions, and if people don't like independent commissions, they can file lawsuits that could end up in the district court of the Washington, D.C. By the so, way,
0: uh, Leader McConnell, on that com- on those independent commissions, there's actually a religious test. They want to know if you have religious affiliations before you could serve on one of those commissions, which last time I read the Constitution is a violation.
10: Well, I hope, Tony, we don't have to test this in court. I hope we can kill it right here in the Senate, which brings me to the importance of keeping the legislative filibuster Uh, under the current process in the Senate. It would require 60 votes, not just 51, to do this. Uh, The the, the bad news is it seems to be a litmus test for Democrats. Uh, Every single Democrat in the House voted for it, except two who voted with us, and every single Republican voted against it. This is a blatant attempt. By the Democratic Party to take over American elections in perpetuity. And there are two Democrats, at least so far, who've said they'll not allow the legislative filibuster to be eliminated Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, both of whom ought to be encouraged to stay where they are because they'll come under intense pressure. A couple of other features of this bill that you may or may not have talked about with your listeners. It requires uh, automatic registration for convicted felons, regardless of the crime that they committed, and actually requires requires pre-registration of 16-year-olds, and a majority of Democrats in the House actually voted to lower the voting age to 16. So, this is a an opportunity for the Democrats to seize power in perpetuity, and they don't want to miss that chance. And it's going to come down to whether or not we can defeat it in the Senate and whether or not Manchin and Sinema don't allow uh, this to be decided with simply 51 votes, but rather require 60.
0: How committed are the Democrats to getting this through the process?
10: Well, from, you put yourself in their shoes, if you think you've greatly enhanced the, the chances of success in every election <laughs> in, into, into into the distant future, uh, you're going to do everything you can to pull this off. So my assumption is that mansion and cinema are going to be under enormous pressure uh, to right. eliminate the legislative filibuster, to try to pass this with 50 votes with Vice President Harris in the chair. So I would say to anybody who's listening to your program, any reinforcement you can give to Mansion and Cinema would be extremely helpful.
0: So uh, I know, Leader, you've got to to uh, to go. But so the action item here is for those living in West Virginia. We have listeners in West Virginia, we have listeners in Arizona, to make sure that uh, Senator Manchin and Cinema are on. They stick to their guns and they stay true to their commitment of protecting that legislative filibuster. Um, Absolutely. what else can our Absolutely. listeners That's do to be helpful?
10: That's the key to success.
0: All right. Well, leader McConnell, I want to thank you for joining us. And, uh, I want to, I, I know, you know, the process better than any, and I want to go back to what you said at the very beginning. And I hope people didn't miss this in your time in the U S Senate. You've never seen anything like this piece of legislation before.
10: I haven't. It's a blatant takeover of the American politics by the left.
0: All right. Senator Mitch McConnell, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you heard it. That is stunning. I mean, and I will. I've I've known Senator McConnell for, uh, well, 20 years, and he is not given to hyperbole. He is uh, very measured in what he says. Uh, He is uh, methodical in his work. Don't always agree with him. In fact, he and I have had some big differences on some policies before. Not so much policies, more tactics and strategy. Uh, But he knows the process. He knows the Senate. And um, as you heard there, I think he's going to keep all the Republicans together. This is going to come down to what the Democrats do. The pressure, and, and I will only echo what he said, the pressure on... Uh, those two senators from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, who is probably, probably only moderate, you know, <laughs> that's a relative term. OK, but I mean, he's he 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 actually voted pro-life and he is I believe he has a leaning toward that. But in this uh, last uh he voted uh, the pro-life position on some measure. But anyway, um, he has said and he, re, re, he restated it over the weekend that he was uh, not for eliminating the uh, legislative filibuster. And, and we even talked about this back on this program when uh, Donald Trump was president. And there were some conservatives calling for the elimination of the legislative filibuster. And I was against it. Now, many of the senators were against it because we knew that there would come a day when you'd be in this position. And what the legislative filibuster does is it gives the majority a voice. It is a speed bump that forces the majority to work with the minority and tone down this far reaching legislation like H.R. 1, which is a power grab. It is absolutely a power grab, and it will fundamentally change America. And that's why we, we can't have it. And so I, w- I want to encourage you to take uh, Senator McConnell's advice. If you live in West Virginia, you know, and look, when you call, be encouraging. When you call Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema, um encourage them because they've said they support the legislative filibuster and they're going to protect it. That's the thin line of defense we have against this The Equality Act. And and if they blow up the filibuster on this, I mean, they're going to do it on the Equality Act, which, you know, we've talked about here is horrible as well. So it's important that we maintain that, as Senator McConnell said. So if you're in Arizona, you're in West Virginia, contact Uh, Those two senators and and thank them for um, their stated position of supporting the legislative filibuster. So you don't you don't need to be you don't need to be aggressive with them. Just thank them. And you heard that they're supporting the legislative filibuster to give the minority a voice in the process and thank them and uh, encourage them to hold fast to that position. It, It is important that they hear positive reinforcing messages because, as Senator McConnell said, they're going to be hammered hammered by the left. So for the rest of you, here's what you need to do. You still need to contact your two senators. Each of you have a senator. I have two senators. Each state has two senators. They represent you, both of them. It's not like a congressman. Congressman, you got one of senators, you got two of. And I don't care which side of the aisle they sit on, whether the Republican, Democrat, or you got one of each. You still need to contact them and let them know that you're opposed to this federal takeover of elections. So communicate that to them. You can call their office in Washington. Uh, You can email them. Uh, I believe at our website uh, we should have uh, the link where you can get all that information. Uh, If not, it will be up there shortly. That's at TonyPerkins.com. Then, next item. Actually, I've got four action steps for you. So I hope you're writing this down. Next, on social media. If if you are still on social media, you haven't been banned, which after this program today, you probably won't hear us on Facebook. Um, But if you're still on social media, you need to talk about this. H.R. 1, stick it to the people. Uh, How this is a usurpation of the state legislature's which have historically, from the beginning of this country, set the policies and guidelines for elections. This is a massive, massive takeover and a consolidation of power that is far-reaching, as as the senator uh, talked about, not only for elections, but speech. Um, I mean, it's a religious test in here for these commissions as they draw these lines uh, congressional lines. So talk about this on social media. And, you know, if you've got a local newspaper, you can write a letter to the editor as well. But communicate your concerns. And again, we've got uh, bullet points, resources available at uh, TonyPerkins.com or at FRC.org, uh, information about these bills. And then third, talk to your state leaders. Encourage them to speak out because this is a direct assault on their authority. And that's why we already have, I think, last number uh, was upwards of 40 states that have introduced uh, pieces of legislation, nearly 300 pieces of legislation dealing with election reform. They're trying to fix what happened in last November's election. So encourage them in the positions that are taken to to support the legislation that's out there that's reforming the process, but also to speak out against this federal takeover of our elections. So it's important that you communicate with your state representative and your state senator as well. And then fourth, and probably most important, all right, you're ready for this, you need to pray. We need to be praying for our country. We're at a very dangerous point, and Scripture gives us instruction that, we're not to be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. And this is certainly something we should be praying about because this will have the effect of changing America for generations to come if we survive. I mean, this, it's that dramatic what they're trying to do. This moves us to a one-party state which lends itself to a totalitarian government somewhere down the road. So I encourage you to pray. In fact, speaking of prayer tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand.org. We'll be praying about this as I'll be joined by former Secretary of State of the state of Ohio, Ken Blackwell, who oversaw the elections there. And we'll be joined by Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss, who will be joining us as well. As we not only talk about this, but we, more importantly, we pray about what is happening in our nation. We all have to take the responsibility to address this situation. Uh, it is critical that we preserve the integrity of our elections so that we can change the direction when needed of our country. And folks, we're not long into this term, but it's evident we've got to change directions. We've got to be involved. We've got to be informed to do that. So thanks for joining. And join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand.org. Until next time. I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.